Welcome to the Dogs Are the Best Friends podcast. I'm Emily, and my best buddy, Flynn, is here too. The purpose of this podcast is to bring you some dog stories and a few tips along the way to help you and your best friend communicate. Hey everyone, happy Friday, at least initially when this is coming out. If you listen after, then happy day to you as well. Today, CJ Powatanen is back. She was on Monday's episode, which was episode 14. And she shares today actual resources for helping your reactive dog or your friend's reactive dog, which by the way, if you know someone that has one or you think it might be one, please share Monday's episode 14 and today's episode 15 with that person. I think it will give them hope and give them tools to actually help their dog to be the great dog that it can be and just to deal with that fear and know what to do with it and that over-the-top reactions as CJ talks about. So today she defines it a little bit again and reminds you of what that means and then goes into the resources of training and actual physical reps that you can buy for your dog And she also talks about brain games, which by the way, I'm trying out a couple of those for Flynn. He injured his elbow, my sweet boy. So he has to be not on bed rest, right? But he can't play like he usually would. So I will let you know if I think they're any good. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and I hope to see you again on Monday where I have a more lighthearted episode coming with someone that I think you'll find funny and endearing. And that's about all I'm going to share right now. Like I remember when Blue was young, if there was a black plastic garbage bag where she didn't expect to see it, you know, she'd have a huge reaction and she'd be leaping in the air and growling and snarling and carrying on. I remember one day I couldn't get my car up this rather steep driveway that we have during the winter because it had turned into sort of a glacier. And even with studded snow tires, I wasn't able to make it all the way up. So I had to park down by the Blue Gate, which is, you know, on this dirt road that we live on. And in the morning, I came out with Blue and she looked down and saw this car at the Blue Gate. And she was jumping in the air and saying, that's a dangerous thing and scary and bark, 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 bark. And I'm going to wait for it to go away. And I said, that's our car. And she says, no, it's not. It's an, an alien invader from outer space and I'm going to get rid of it. <laughs> so it wasn't until we actually got to the car and I opened the door. She said, oh, that's our car. Experiences <laughs> like that I look back on because she's not that way anymore. She may be startled right. by something, but it doesn't take her over the top. So if you want to... Keep in mind the one phrase that really describes reactive dogs that they're most reactive, it's over the top. It's, mm. in other words, inappropriately extreme, whatever the yeah. reaction is, whether it's barking or growling or running or hiding or, you know, carrying on in some way. Mm. If the dog's reaction really doesn't have anything to do with the current reality, but is something that's just happening in the dog's head, Um, that's a reactive symptom. There are two books, or two authors rather, that helped me the most out of the 42 books that I bought, plus the dozen or so um, really well-done videos of um, famous trainers working with uh, problem dogs in situations specific to reactive dogs. All these are reactive dog training materials. And there are a ton of them now. There didn't used to be, but there are now. 
And I think people are becoming more aware of reactive dogs and how their unexpected behavior can be reinforced by things we do by accident or subdued by things we do with intention. So one of the authors is uh, Sophia Yin, Y-I-N. She's no longer alive, but she was a a well-known veterinarian who specialized in teaching seminars and writing books and developing training materials for dogs that either lacked confidence or had problem behaviors, and reactive dogs were right up there on her list. And so the two things that I got from her that I use every day, one is a hands-free leash. Well, it consists of a belt arrangement that goes around your waist, and it's attached to a leash that is attached to the dog. And I like to use a harness rather than attaching the leash to her collar. So it attaches to the front of her harness, so it's in the front of her chest, and that's our leash arrangement. That leaves my hands free. It means I don't, I'm not all tangled up with the leash, and I am able to do a few more things with my hands than I would otherwise. And then the yeah. other thing is having a treat pouch also around my waist so that I don't miss the opportunities to reward her. So I'm dealing with yeah. the lab. You know, she's one of the most food-motivated breeds around. So for right. people whose dogs are really not interested in food, you know, there are other rewards that will be appropriate. But usually, if you can find a treat that is really special for your dog, and it helps to organize your treats in order of preference, there are the ho-hum treats, you know, like everyday kibble, and then there are the, ooh, this is exciting treat that is a little more unusual. And then there's always the high reward treat that you want to save for the super special occasions, because every time you give a treat, you are encouraging that behavior. Whatever the dog was doing right before you indicated that's what I wanted, either with a click on a clicker or a word that you use. And so with the hands-free leash and my treat pouch, I was able to pay attention much more than I had in the past. And I would notice the instant that she did something remotely resembling what I wanted her to do. And if I gave her a click and a treat, she'd go back and do that again. And pretty soon she'd do a more elaborate version of whatever it is. And so that whole business of shaping behavior is something that I really I always get a debt of gratitude to Sophia Yin because watching her seminar, so here's uh, cameras set up in a hotel, what was obviously some kind of a hotel conference room, and there might have been half a dozen dogs with handlers, and they're doing these simple exercises, and so I'm doing them too and realizing my timing is terrible. I'm not even noticing some of the things that I'm being told right then and there to notice. And so that's what I found so rewarding about some of these videos and books that I was reading. It really broke things down into a step-by-step, do this, and now make sure you understand it more and do it again or do it better. And so that was a huge help. And then the other trainer is Jean Donaldson. So Jean Donaldson, whose dog training academy is so highly regarded, she did something really interesting 30 years ago. 
And that was, um, she was researching dog trainers and training methods. And so she did a little study on video. She set up some video cameras in a dog training seminar or workshop. She could tell just by looking at a really short one-second portion of the video or even a still photo. She could tell, is it a professional trainer or just a regular dog owner? And how Mm -hmm. did she notice this? She said for the first time she realized it had everything to do with whether the person was even trying to train the dog. The professional trainers, they didn't stop. They just trained and trained and trained. They watched the dogs. They gave them treats. They gave them commands. They gave them, or they gave them instructions, or they indicated that they wanted them to do something else, and they were rewarding the dogs. Oh my gosh, the rewards were constant, and the dogs were all responding. And this was wow. why all the dogs, no matter what their background was, they were responding faster and better. That is more approaching the goal in mind. Than with the professional trainers than with those who had a more uh, less involved uh, approach. So I realized, man, look at all the time I've wasted just by not even noticing what my dog was doing. Right. So that one great takeaway for me was Jean Donaldson is someone who has taken every behavior that you could possibly want to deal with and broken it into tiny little increments, which are boring and time-consuming and using, this is just incredibly, oh my goodness, exhausting, paying attention to the dog and giving the reward and timing it right. But in the long run, it's the fastest. It's the Mm -hmm. fastest and most efficient. And so one of the things that encouraged me the most while learning to work with a reactive dog was all the comments that I read from all these different books and trainers and DVDs and workshops from experts who said that in many cases, a reactive dog who is very well trained by an observant owner or handler is the best behaved dog in all kinds of situations canine sports, Mm. dog shows, you know, competitions, out on hiking trails or whatever, they are the best behaved because their owners are so vigilant and have devoted so much time and energy into just noticing what the dogs are doing. And the dogs are so motivated by whatever rewards they're getting. When my article on training reactive dogs was published in the Whole Dog Journal in January, I sent a copy to all my friends with a headline, I learn something from Blue every day. And I have to hand it to this dog. She has taught me so much. There are a couple of other things that are mentioned in the article. One is Tellington T-Touch. Tellington T-Touch can have a very calming effect on all kinds of dogs, including reactive dogs. How to use simple circular touches all over a dog's body. That helped Blue especially because she's a barker. And so doing these little circular motions on around her mouth or actually in on her gums, in her mouth, there's a huge amount of information online about T-Touch, spelled T-T-O-U-C-H, and books and videos 
very well produced by Linda Tellington Jones. That can be super helpful. It can be helpful for all dogs, puppies, you know, dogs in their old age, uh, help dogs with mobility problems. It's very, very versatile and a wonderful thing to learn. And then the other thing uh, that was developed by some T-Touch instructors is different versions of wrapping. That's W-R-A-P, wrapping. Uh, like mm-hmm. the anxiety wrap, the thunder shirt is a uh, similar thing that just holds the dog in a really uh, swaddled kind of position. So yeah. I had a um, an anxiety wrap for Blue. And it was so interesting when she was worked up about people walking by or jogging by or, um, you know, the fox was out there in the field and I wanted her to relax as quickly as possible. Man, I would just throw her into her anxiety wrap and pull it really tight. And it was so interesting. She would start melting and leaning into me immediately, Mm -hmm. like within 30 seconds. And it was really profound. It had such a calming effect. So that's uh, another little uh, trick that's worth trying. And then as far as rewards are concerned, yes, she is food motivated, but even more than food, she is a puzzle addict. And so <laughs> Nina Otteson puzzles or other game-like devices where there are treats hidden in the puzzle and the dog has to with her paws or her nose, you know, move puzzle pieces around to get them. If she was just not catching on to something that I was presenting in what I was pretty sure was the right way and in teeny tiny pieces, because one of the big problems with most of us is we're impatient to get to the end and we skip over a few training points because they're boring. And then we're surprised that the dog doesn't catch on. Right. (laughs) But these were toward the end of a maybe five to ten minute training session. That's another thing to keep in mind is the uh, shorter the training session, the more effective it's likely to be. The more often you do it, the more it's likely to stay with the dog. But um, there were a couple times when I thought, but you already know how to do this. Hmm. And then I'd pull out a puzzle and I'd put treats in it and she'd just be going crazy. And then I'd set it aside and her IQ would shoot way up and she'd say, I know what I want you to, what you want me to do. And I'm going to do it right now. And she would, <laughs> and then she'd get to play with the puzzle. So oh, whatever wow. it is that dogs like, you know, keep a list, figure out what are the most rewarding rewards and um, don't train when you're, impatient or angry or upset about anything, take your time, um, pay attention to, that's the most exhausting part of this whole thing, I think, is paying attention so that you really recognize when there is a tiny infinitesimal improvement, and that's what you want to keep encouraging, even if it's not the full finished thing. Like it took me uh, months to get Blue to understand how to put her toys in a laundry basket. And now you can, you know, throw her toys all over the living room and stand there with a clicker and some treats and she'll run and get each toy and bring it back and drop it very efficiently in the laundry basket and go get another one. I thought that day would never happen, 
but uh-huh. just by staying with the simplest, simplest, simplest way of breaking it down, you know, after a while they catch on and yeah. realize this is a smart little, smart little cookie. And um, <laughs> story has a happy ending. I hope you enjoyed that episode and I hope that you will share and like and review and subscribe and all that good stuff. And just, I wish you blessings and peace and I'll talk to you soon. 